0: This is The Point, professional investing in Australia with Pendle. Welcome to The Point podcast from Pendle. There's plenty of discussion in the markets right now about whether it's time to buy us fixed income products, but there's much more to investing than picking an asset class like fixed income and then just going and buying a bond and forgetting about it. What type of bond should an investor buy? How will it perform over the next one, two, three years? How should an investor manage that bond once he or she has it. To help us find answers to some of these questions, I welcome back to The Point, Amy Patrick, Head of Income Strategies at Pendle. Welcome back, Amy. Hi, Sean. Before we talk about bonds and investing in bonds, I firstly want to just have a quick chat about what's happening at a macro level and the dispersion that's starting to appear among central banks, notably the US Federal Reserve and the Local Reserve Bank of Australia.
1: Absolutely. So the dispersion is a really good way to put it, Sean. More recently, you've seen the RBA going in increments of only 25 basis points in their hiking cycle. But you've seen the Fed continue to do 75 basis point hikes. And last week, they put in yet another 70 basis point hike, which is their fourth in a row. Now, this is a pace of monetary policy normalisation for the United States that's not been seen since the 1980s. It's quite an aggressive pace of tightening. And you have some sympathy for the central banks such as the RBA, but even the Bank of Canada last month surprised the market by shifting down to a 50 basis point hike rather than what was priced, which was a 100. When you've had tightening cycles this aggressive, and albeit Australia has been less aggressive than the US, it does But thinking about the lags that often come with monetary policy. And I think this is definitely front and centre of mind for central banks like the RBA. The RBA thinks that the Australian economy is different, that our labour markets are different, our wage numbers are lower than what is currently showing in the US. What the Fed worries about is that if they don't hike enough, inflation will be an entrenched problem within the economy and they'll have to fight it all the harder in the future. And that's exactly what they said last week. They mentioned that the risks to over-tightening were that the economy would enter a downturn, but they had plenty of supportive measures to roll out if that were to happen. However, if they failed to tighten monetary policy enough and inflation remained in the economy, then they would have to tighten all the harder in the future, and perhaps cause a much deeper recession. It's
0: almost like the lesser of two evils, as you've described it there. What do we need to see to have the central banks stop hiking altogether?
1: That's a really great question. And there's nothing more obvious to us than this idea of peak inflation. Peak inflation is what the Fed is looking for. And in fact, what the Fed is explicitly looking for is that inflation is not only peaking, but coming down very convincingly to their 2% target. What the RBA is more comfortable with is this idea that wage inflation is not spiraling out of control. Now, wage growth in Australia is only at around about 2.5% to 3%. The RBA is comfortable for it to go up to 3.5%, maybe even temporarily to 4%. Wage growth in the US, however, is hovering at about 5.5% to 6%, which is clearly not consistent with the 2% inflation rate. So peak inflation is what the central banks have told you that they're looking for. So peak inflation is what we would be looking for to get comfortable that bond yields have hit a cycle peak.
0: Okay. So let's bring that into buying assets, buying bonds. I mean, bonds are obviously yielding a lot more than they were six months ago, but investing is very much about what's going to happen, not about what has happened. What do you think will happen in the next 12 months or so in the bond market? What do you expect to see?
1: So given that the whole market and central banks are hanging their hat on when inflation will peak, we think that inflation will be stickier to come down than it was to go up. It's just the, the natural way that inflation works. And it probably is most apparent in wages. For example, it's easy to give your workforce a higher salary. Everybody likes that. But it's very difficult to ask your workforce to go back in terms of their paychecks. So inflation will be stickier to come down, This will probably mean that central banks will keep on their hiking paths. Even if they slow down, they will still be hiking for longer in 2023 than the market currently expects. What that means is that the biggest risk for 2023 is that you get a repeat of everything that's happened in 2022 which is that market volatility remains high across both bonds and equities, but most unhelpfully, that bonds and equities remain positively correlated and don't do well most of the time.
0: Wow. So that that's a worst-case scenario?
1: That's a worst-case scenario for 2023. And I think a lot of investors out there are hoping that if they can close the book on 2022, that'll be the end of the nightmare year that is 2022. And when the clock ticks over to the 1st of Jan 23, that things will be different. Unfortunately, peak inflation is still eluding us, most places yeah. in the world. So I don't think we'll we'll get that end to the nightmare as, as soon as the market perhaps hopes for.
0: Okay, so in that scenario, what do you need from your fixed income portfolio if you're an investor?
1: That's a great question. So in 2022, you started at a very poor starting point, whether it was in terms of absolute bond yields, whether it was in terms of real bond yields, or whether it was in terms of credit spreads. You were starting at close to all time lows on all of these fronts. The good thing is, even if 2023 plays out like 2022, your starting point is a lot more comfortable. That means that on your fixed income assets, especially your higher quality, safer fixed income assets, your level of income return will help to offer you some buffers for the volatility that will come in 2023. However, when we look across the whole gamut of the fixed income spectrum, and in fact, even if we look into the risky asset space, the level of income that you get across everything else, including, for example, emerging markets or high yield and even the dividend yield on equities. Those types of income returns are unlikely to compensate you for the volatility that you get in 2023. So the conclusion for your fixed income investment in 2023 will be that you should have some. Because at some point, hiking at a pace, as the central banks have done in 2022, will probably cause something to break. And when that something breaks, whether it be a financial crash or an economic crash, bonds usually work in your favor. So you ought to have some, but you need to be active about it because volatility will still be high. And most importantly, you need to prioritize quality in your portfolios because going down that quality and especially that liquidity spectrum right now when there is so much uncertainty still ahead is not giving you a good risk reward in terms of your return outlook for the next year.
0: Liquid, high quality, active, and presumably backed by an active investment process.
1: Absolutely. Active and proven track record, I would say.
0: Amy, thank you for talking to The Point. Thank you, Sean. That was Amy Patrick, Head of Income Strategies at Pendle. You've been listening to The Point podcast from Pendle. I'm Sean A. Ulmer.